Hey, family. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. Hey family, it's your sister here, Jocelyn, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We want you to know that we are here to support you and help you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so week after week by bringing on wonderful guests who share their testimonies and resources on how they were able to move forward on their healing journey. And in addition to this broadcast, we also have a number of resources available just for you on our website. You can learn more about these resources by visiting faithonthejourney.org. Again, that's faithonthejourney.org. A few of the resources I would like to highlight today is our trauma healing groups. We offer trauma healing groups that are essentially Bible studies that help you to heal from trauma in a small group setting. And these are groups that we can actually bring straight to your church and your faith community. So if you'd like to learn more, please reach out to us. In addition to our groups, we also have a team of counselors ready to serve you, to walk alongside of you. So if you're dealing with grief, trauma, or any other difficult situation in your life, you don't have to go through this alone. There are trained professionals who specialize in grief and loss, grief counseling, and also providing uh, support around trauma and healing. So learn more by visiting our website and reaching out to us, and we'll be happy to walk alongside of you. But today, I'm looking forward to bringing on a special guest uh, to the show. She's actually someone I have the pleasure with serving as an elder in the Michelle McKinney Hammond ministry, but she does so much great work even outside of ministry with Michelle. She is a dynamic life purpose coach. She's a life transition strategist and an author. She actually recently published a book called Life in Words, a guided journal of gratitude. And this is something when I, I saw this book, I actually bought two copies, one for myself and one for a friend. I said, I need to have her on my show because one thing that I've learned is healing can really take place through writing. Writing is so therapeutic and I couldn't think of anyone better than to have Marsha join me on the show. So please welcome Marsha Shirell to the broadcast. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. I am just so honored to be here uh, with you today and to share parts of my story and writing and journaling and gratitude, which is all my passions. Well, I'm grateful to have you here too, Marsha. And I would love for you to just start off by sharing a little bit about yourself and okay. like your life growing up and leading into this work. Okay. I am the second oldest of a family of six, there's six siblings. And I grew up in San Francisco, uh, the Haight-Ashbury district. If anybody remembers the Haight-Ashbury, that was where the, a lot of the hippie movement happened. And that's where I was living when that occurred. But as a young girl, I stuttered very badly. And my grandmother at one point bought me a diary. And because when I would try to speak my feelings, when I would try to talk or I would get excited that I would get stuck on words and I could not get the words out of my mouth and it brought on frustration and tears. So she bought me this diary and in that diary, which I still have, this is the diary that my grandmother bought me in 1963. 
and I have been writing in there since. There is my little girl frustrations written in there. When I was mad, when I was sad, and some of my innermost feelings as a 12-year-old girl and um, not being able to express them because when I tried, I would start to stutter. So that's what happened as far as my writing in a diary. And as I became a teenager, and so on. It changed into a journal because it sounded more grown up and more elite, if you will. And I have just been journaling ever since. And then later on in life, uh, through many changes of things that I had gone through and brokenness and coming from a family where my biological father was abusive, and that could have been a cause for the stuttering. But from then on, there were just things and decisions that I've made that broke my heart, that I broke other people's heart. I realized that not only was I bullied, but I became a bully to other people as well. And to accept all of that and then how my life turned out as an adult, giving time and time again that God has been so good to me of gratitude. And so I say that I'm actually living on borrowed time and so because I share, I share because I'm so grateful. I don't stutter anymore. I continue to write and I try to help people and women especially realize that there's always the next best thing that we can do in our lives. And we have a voice and it starts with words. And actually the first scripture that I memorized as a child was John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. And I have been stuck on words for all that time. Yes, that is beautiful. Wow. I think having that outlet to write and it is safe when you write because you can keep that yeah. hidden away with only you and God who knows what's on those pages, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it sounds like writing has been your go-to tool to help you get through many different challenges in life. And for you, I just would love for you to kind of speak to this for those who are listening as writing serving as a tool for for healing. As a tool for healing, I have not stopped writing, but there have been periods where I didn't write. And as a matter of fact, I continue to write and I still have those journals as well. I am in recovery from drugs and alcohol and using drugs and alcohol is not just using drugs and alcohol. It comes with a lifestyle. And during those times, I continue to write and I can look back on the times where I was hurting so bad and like, God, where are you? You know, why are these things happening to me? And the more that happened, the more I would use and the more I would write and plead with God to help me and then decided that he didn't want to help me because I was too bad. And what a traumatic situation that that particular thing was for me because of the fact that I was still writing about my misery and my pain and my hurt. And so with that, I can go back and I can look at where I came from during those times and say, my God, I was so hurt. I was so broken. And that now that I'm not, I am now celebrating 32 years being clean and sober. And I now write about the gratitude, but all in my relationships that I can go back and look at my journals and realize in love relationships or what I thought was love, man and woman, that it was the same guy I would choose time and time and time again. And the journaling helped me realize that I was actually choosing emotionally unavailable men, that people that were not equally yoked the same as me, 
without writing, I may not have been able to know that I was doing those things over and over and over, the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So it, it really helped you to identify patterns, connect dots. Patterns, that's exactly right. Do you have like a routine where you like once a year or ever so often you kind of go back and look at previous journals to help you to identify the patterns? It is not any specific time that I do. Um, it's just when I get the urge because I have just about all of my journals. And it might be like in the pandemic, I, I went back and I just looked at them. And sometimes I get emotional about things like that, um, my journaling. And I'll just pick up a journal and just open it. And I was like, oh, I remember this. And I'll start reading through and reading through. And I was like, you know, because there was a time that I actually forgot that I wrote poetry. And I just thought, oh my gosh, it's just a good thing to go back. And it might be a good idea for some to do that once a year, but I may go back um, and pick out a journal, you know, two or three times a year, just to see what I was saying around this particular time. Or when I first moved to Texas, what was I thinking? or when somebody passed away, or did I document something for someone? And I've actually had family members ask me about, Marsha, do you remember when this happened? Can you look in one of your journals and tell us what the date was, or was so-and-so there? Because I do also document situations as well. So, but it's not in concrete that I go back at a specific day or time to look at anything. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that though. Like the times in which there's been seasons in my life, there was so much going on and I look up and I'm like, how did I even get here? So much time had passed and I didn't slow down to document and reflect. It was just kind of mm -hmm. running, running, running. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning to appreciate the slowing down of reflecting and taking note of the feelings in the moment, because it's something that writing does. Now, I would like for you to spend a little bit of time on this because you're the expert in this space, but I've, I've heard uh, people talk about how when you actually physically write versus type, it does something for you, right? Can you speak more about that? Yes. I, you know, as a matter of fact, I tried an online journal at one point, but I still had my written journals. I could not let that go. And I actually use a special pen now and a special color for my journals. And because typing it into the computer, I don't know my handwriting. It doesn't reflect the tears that I may have cried. It doesn't reflect emotion. And in my writing, while I'm writing, I can tell many times the emotion that I'm feeling as I'm writing because my handwriting changes. If I'm crying, it will be different. If I'm in a hurry, it will be different. And even my misspelled words, there's things that I say, and God said, and I might write his name, God, in big letters or different colored letters and highlight that. I underline things that I want to pay attention to, and I make stars by things that I want to highlight on that particular page. And so that page is my design and it's my creative. It is not a piece of paper or a screen that I'm just typing in 10 point font, Helvetica or Ariel or any of those other things. It is my handwriting because that's an extension of who I am and what I am. And so that's very important to me. I have seen other women that I have taught, you know, I've done workshops in journaling 
and they actually draw, like if they were talking about flowers, they would draw things and that's unique to them. And therefore an online journal would not be the thing for them, but there's other people that have used an online journal and used that app called Canva and put designs in there and that's for them but it is not for me. That's not how I started out. I started out with whatever kind of pencil stub or pen I could find to write in my journal starting at the age of 12. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I think you you hit the nail on the head in terms of you got to find what works for you. For some of us, we're old school. Like even when it comes to books, I need to feel the book. Kindle, I can't get with. I try, but I struggle, <laughs> you know, yeah. but some people it's like, it's, iPhone, Android, whatever you choose to do all day. And they prefer to journal that way. So it's really kind of finding what works for you. And the other thing with that app that, you know, I would type in there every day, even though I still wrote, but when I canceled the app, it canceled all of my one year. I thought, okay, well, that just tells me there that that's temporary where I can keep my journals and even just to, you know, just to smell it, to know, you know, what was going on and my immature handwriting. And one of the things actually I was trying to write about my brother and I wanted to say that he's so immature, but I didn't know how to spell it. So I spelled it out phonetically in a little girl's pen and see, I wouldn't have that uniqueness and it brings back the feeling I was feeling at the time that I wrote it, even though it was all those years ago. Yeah, beautiful. One thing that I can say about your book, which I love to spend a little time talking about it, is the fact that you approach journaling from a place of gratitude. Mm. And I also think that in the work around healing, that serves a major role. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore the pain or what we're going through. So I do want you to speak about that. How can we approach things from a place of gratitude without ignoring what is going on in that moment? And then how can having that mindset focus on gratitude really help us move forward in healing? So that's really a two-part question I threw at you, Marsha. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I didn't realize that David in writing the Psalms, that's his technique. He writes a lot about the pain and the anguish and the frustration and the overwhelm. And towards the end of the Psalm, he just said, but Lord, I'll praise you anyway. And that is gratitude. That is gratitude, not for what you're going through or what I'm going through, but I didn't realize that I was picking up that technique um, because I was not reading the Bible a lot all those years ago. And but uh, when I start to write, I start to write and I tell you, what, like on a, on a regular day, I always put the date, the day and the time. And the time is so specific for me. If I'm starting to write at 632 a.m., I write 632 a.m. And at the, the very next word I write is I'm so grateful. And sometimes it's just the word grateful because that sets the tone because I don't want my writing to ever be about all the negative and the darkness. But I talk about the darkness because that's where I have come from. And as I write, I'm just not, you know, I'm not feeling I'm low on energy. And when I say I'm low on energy, it's not a physical energy. It's a spiritual energy and I'm sad, and this is what I'm sad about, and I will spell out what I'm feeling, even the darkness, and I will use words that really reflect where I'm coming from. There was a time where I was so depressed that I was suicidal, 
And actually, uh, twice I tried suicide, and um, and it's all documented. And I wrote there that the world probably wouldn't even miss me if I were gone. And so this is what I'm getting ready to do. And I wrote exactly how I was feeling, and that's important. But towards the end, I started to say, I must still need to be here for some reason. One entry was, I can't even do this right. And so from that point on, I knew my anguish was very deep and that the only way I can come out of this was through prayer and through God. So I wrote my prayer down that, God, if you're there and you can hear me, please hear me and help me because I don't know what to do with my life anymore. And through all of that, then I can see the sequence of darkness to some light, to more light, to brightness, and onto a better way of thinking about my situation. And then I can look back on the situation and say, you know what I'm finding is that it doesn't matter what it is that I'm going through, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, it's all temporary. If I can just hold on during the dark times and know that now I have something to look back on and say, God, if you did it then, then you can do it again now. And so I have the journals to prove those miracles do happen and they happened in my life. And so in looking at from stepping back from suicide attempt to come back through into the light, the light of the Holy Spirit is miraculous to me. And I have it written down and it's in my handwriting and it's in my words. And so that's what I share as well, that I'm still here and so when it comes to gratitude, I can look back and say, oh my God, thank God I couldn't do that right. Thank the Lord I couldn't do that right. And that the Lord said, Marcia, there's still more for you because there's other people out there feeling the same way. And now you have my voice to represent me being your father to go and talk to them about that. And you have it here. And sometimes I can just take my journal and read my journal to some people as well. Man, that's so important. When I think about where you are in your life today, you know, sometimes people look at you and they're like, oh, Marsha, you're an author, you're a life coach, you're doing all these great things. And they have a hard time believing that you were once in a very dark space. Oh my gosh. In, in your life and praise God that you could not get it right. I hear you on that. Yeah. God definitely saved you and kept you for a purpose. And I, I would love for you to just briefly speak to someone who might be listening to this show right now, who has thought about taking their life. And this is something that God's just putting on my heart right now because it's real for someone. It's real for many. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is struggling with that right now? That whatever it is, the thing that I had gone through that I was going through at the time was I uh, was in a relationship and I had hurt that person very bad. And I did not know how to make things right. I didn't know how to apologize enough. I didn't know how to unhurt that other person. Therefore, how I looked at myself was that it wasn't only a bad thing that you did, you're just a bad person, that you are not worthy to be here on earth, that all you do is create havoc, that you can't do anything right. And once those negative thoughts and words start coming in, they add on to each other and they start growing and growing and growing. And then when I went to look at myself in the mirror, I didn't recognize who I looked at. 
Satan is a mighty foe. And when he comes around and he's in your head or when he was in my head telling me that I would never make up for the bad things that I've done in life, I'd never be able to apologize and make right any of the things that I've done, that I'm a bad person and I don't need to be here. And those are lies from the pit of hell. And they are lies, absolutely. And when I start to think that way, that I ask the Holy Spirit, just let me stop and I'll get my journal. And all I would write down was help me, just help. And, you know, and I couldn't say help me with, help me with the relationship, just help me. The thing is, is that I am worthy to be here. If God made me, he didn't make junk to come here, not to be here. He made me for a purpose. He gave me a voice. He helped me not stutter anymore. He orchestrated all those things from stuttering to getting my journal, from being in an abusive relationship household, and then to come out through, try suicide twice. It doesn't work. And then to say that you're just not worth it. God says I'm worth it. And to try to look at myself, how God sees me instead of how Satan is telling me that I am because it's a lie. And I start the one thing that, that can help me out, especially even now when I start to go down a dark path, I still have sometimes get that spirit of comparison and putting myself down and putting myself down. And then pretty soon I'm like, but what am I grateful for? Marcia, find something that you're grateful for. And I will start very small. I can look at this computer. I can look at my phone and I say, say, some people don't even have a computer. Some people don't have a phone. Oh, look, I just took a deep breath. Oh my gosh, that person's sick and I'm not, I'm healthy. Or I was sick and I got well, or anything that I can pick up to be grateful for. Like, and look at my hands that they all work, all my fingers work. And one day I was looking at my, my pinky finger and I said, you know, you don't know how grateful or how useful a pinky finger is until you break it. And I had broken my pinky finger one time. And I just looked and I remembered when I was looking at my pinky finger that years ago I broke it. And I just said, you know, and it's healed. And they just said, your pinky finger. I just said, you just don't understand. I'm grateful for it. Or you hit your baby toe. You don't know how useful those things are. And I just look at my toes and just get something. And it may sound silly and it may sound, you know, like laughable. But during those dark times, it's critical to find something because there's always something to be grateful. Always. Uh, yeah. And and you are, are so right. I think that sometimes we can get into this space where we're, everything is doom and gloom. We can't see you know, any light in the space. And I think for me, it was a transformative moment in my life when my church, I went out into uh, the community, into a space where it was a, a large homeless population. And we went out in the wintertime and we were serving and, and providing them with blankets and hats and things of that nature. And I remember having a conversation with this one gentleman who was a believer and they were around like a bonfire and we were just talking and the guy was talking about how grateful he was. I mean, such gratitude for life. So 
joyous. And for me, especially, I was pretty young uh, in my walk to in faith. I was perplexed by his spirit of gratitude because coming from a place where we can complain about Starbucks getting our order wrong, we can complain <laughs> about, you know, the fact that it's raining outside or it's cold outside because it's winter right now. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can't, I, I can't get warm inside my house. When this person is outside, his house is a makeshift box. And he's saying that he is thankful. Grateful. Talking about a paradigm shift and get your life together, girl. I had to talk to myself, right? (laughs) And I think we have to do that because life is not all doom and gloom. No, it's not. Yes, we're going to have troubles. Jesus told us that our savior has some serious trouble. And yet we still can have joy, peace, and a love a comfort from a Christ who loves us so much that he laid his life down for us. We have that as believers. And so I say that that's my long way of saying there's always something to be grateful for. Always. You know, the one thing that I do, I, I read a lot because when I stuttered, you know, as a little girl, I hung out at a library. And so I just read a lot. And so I still read a lot. But something I read just in the last couple of days just reminded me, and it's so true. They say, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And that's just, you know, say, oh, well, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. But even though it's true that when those words are said to some people, it's like, yeah, for you, it would be. But how this particular line was worded the other day, yesterday, I think it was, I was reading, is that if I have at 80 pound spiritual capacity, God will not give me a 200 pound situation. He will give me something that's closer to my 80 pound spiritual capacity. So whatever it is that I go through, I'm grateful that if God believes I can get through this and he's the creator of all things, knows all things, is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, that if he says I can get through this, then obviously I can. I'm the one that thinks I can't. So I'm going to try him. And then I'll just do one step at a time, just one thing at a time. And I'm journaling my progress as I go one step at a time. Today wasn't really so bad. This afternoon wasn't as bad either. I said, as a matter of fact, I giggled this afternoon and I can see the transformation begin to happen. Yeah, I think about what you're saying and it comes down to the fact that, yeah, if we were trying to do or handle a situation in our own strength, it could take us out. We don't have to do it in our own strength. It's the strength of God. (laughs) The strength of God. That really brings us through a situation where most people will look at you, you know, outside looking in like, how is she still standing after they went through what they went through? And I, I think is those moments where it's the greatest witness, right? When yeah. you see someone and they are able to still be standing when they've gone through so much trouble, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's really true. And the other thing that in journaling is that I may be going through something traumatic. And if I can share something that just happened to me with, it had been growing in the last two or three months. And just this week it got settled and it had to do with my journaling. But I have a friend over 50 years, know her children, her children call me auntie and um, just know all of them, the family and, and everyone. There was something that had occurred and we had this conversation 
And I heard the conversation one way and I took it and I just thought she doesn't want me to share anything that's going on with me anymore. I thought, well, I'm just going to have to like monitor what I say to her so that I'm not talking any negative talk to her at all. And that was such a fake conversations that we would be having. And I noticed that she was just talking and talking and I'm the one holding back and so on. That's been going on for like two to three months. And I thought I'm losing my friend. So I talked to a counselor the other day and I told her what was going on with me. And she said, well, you're a journaler. And I said, I've been journaling the whole thing, but I, I'm losing my friendship. I said, and I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what happened. And she said, find out what you want out of this whole thing. What do you want the end result to be? And write about that. Write what your intention is. And so I did. I wrote down what was going on, everything that I felt, my fear of losing my friend, and then my intention was very simply, I want my friend back. I just want my friend back. And so I prayed about it. I journaled about it and then called her or she had called me. And I just said, these are the things I'm feeling. This is what's happening. I'm afraid I'm losing my friend and I want my friend back. And it turned out that all that that I have been going through these last two or three months was all in my head. It wasn't even real that I heard the conversation one way that was not her intention, but I didn't correct it. I didn't say anything. So I was in this dark place with this fear of losing a best friend and it wasn't even real. How many times has that happened, right? We had a situation and it was just in our own mind and it was tormenting us in that space. I'm really glad that you had a counselor um, that's mentor you described them to, mm -hmm. to encourage you to have that conversation. And I actually, this kind of leads me into my next question about the important role that community also plays in helping you to heal, whether it's a counselor or a group. Can you talk about that? It is so important important that we're not meant to, to do this thing called life alone. Life is not easy and trying to go alone. And again, I go back to my childhood when I stuttered that many times that instead of me trying to ask somebody a question or trying to help me with something or help me with spelling or help me with anything is that I would ask myself the question and I would answer my own question. And so I had my own questions answered by a 12-year-old, by a 13-year-old, by a 15-year-old me without experience. So I would answer my own question and I'd live my own life trying to be somebody based on my own very limited and very brief experience. Growing up and once after I got into recovery, I learned that there are people and it's called wise counsel, that there are people there that can help me, but I have to get up the courage to ask and tell people, this is how I'm feeling and listen, and then listen very carefully to what they have to say, what they may advise. But the other part of it is too, is that it can't be just anybody. That's the discernment part where I had to learn that not everybody they may be with you, but they're not for you. And learning to decipher who can I talk to, that there's professional people out there to talk to, like Jocelyn would be, you know, just amazing. And, and people in her field would be absolutely amazing. Somebody that has no ties to the situation or 
the people that's in the situation with me and within that community, then they help me. And then I found that I have become that person to other people, whether they know me or not, that they have said, well, I've heard you speak, I've read your books or whatever, that they would ask me a certain question and I would advise them as best I could. But being in the professional, whether it's a psychologist, a psychiatrist or somebody in the ministry, that to choose wisely and ask the Holy Spirit, is this the person for me or send the right person to me? Because that's critical. Amen. That is critical, Marsha. And I, I love what God has done in your life, how it was a journey. It was a tough walk, you know, to get to where you are today. But your faith is solid and you speak from a place of authority and knowing because you've been through so much. Right. And now you're doing wonderful work for the kingdom of God, you're empowering women. And I, I would love for you to talk more now about your book and your current ministry, the current work that you're doing to help people to heal and move forward in their life. Yeah, and just wanna to, want to bring this up too, and it has to do with journaling and pinpointing issues, that there's been an issue that's been going on in my life. And you speak about faith and trusting God, that sometimes I feel, and I had, this has been going, this situation has been going on for nine months um, and it's with my home. And I've had all, many of the professionals in trying to find out what the problem is, where this noise is coming from and they can't figure out, but they've heard the noise, but they can't figure out where this noise is coming from. And that's been going on, this is the ninth month. And when you said to speak with authority, that I had found that my faith was waning, my trust in God was waning, but I know that he's sovereign. I know he's heard my prayers and I know that he answers my prayers. I know I'm doing nothing wrong. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna add on. And I got another journal out and the name of that journal, I don't usually name them, but this particular journal is called Taking My Dominion because he said I have dominion over things on this earth. And I felt like I had not been activating my dominion and my authority here that is God given. And so taking my dominion is the name of the journal. And I just started reading scripture where God made promises about when we pray, to pray like it's already happened, and we shall have it. And so I looked up definitions that that's a principle. Well, what does principle mean? What does confession, what does declare? You know, we hear decree and declare a lot. What do those words even mean? And so I got down into that, into a deep dive into scriptures, and that's Mark 11, 23 and 24. And in doing that, that I'm taking back my dominion that I sat down because God said he is not raising up wimps, he's raising warriors. That's what we are. So when I work with women and right now I am on a, I don't wanna call it a sabbatical, but I also have a course called Your Incredible Next. And whatever that next is, it might be a small thing, it might be a big thing, it might be a career move, it might be retirement, whatever it is, that there's always a next in God's world. He always has something more for us because he always has blessings in store. So when we reach for those blessings that he wants us to do more for the kingdom. And so when I write, I do incorporate journaling in all of the trainings that I am involved in. Uh, and in your incredible next is to journal. 
just write down three things that you're grateful for every day. Just write down three things. I'm grateful that I woke up, that I'm grateful that it's cold outside. It might be 30 degrees outside, but I'm warm and toasty. I'm grateful that the shower came on. I'm grateful that the lights are on. I'm grateful for the people in my life. I'm grateful for the situation that I'm going through. Whatever it is that you're grateful for, start the day by just writing three things that you're grateful for. And then the last thing I would write is that who God, do you want me to bless today? And I would would end that, then I would continue on with my journaling. But as far as the writing, I have another book that will be coming out either this year or next year. And it's a devotional, which would be a backup to my journal that I published. That's my latest publication. And that's Life in Words, because there is life in words. And it's a guided journal of gratitude. And gratitude, I do believe, is one of the main keys of living a good life. It doesn't matter what's happening in life, that there's always something to be grateful for. And it doesn't necessarily have to be grateful for this particular situation. But I will tell you, it's happened to me that once a situation is over, I can look back at my journal, I can see the progress and the transformation maybe not in the thing, but the transformation in me, that I am changed, my faith is deeper, my trust in God is deeper, I love people better, I want to help people more, all those things that become welled up in me, and then I look back and I think like that situation, it may have been big and it may have been serious, but I'm not letting it guide my life because there is more. And because I let go of it, now God can take it. He can take it because I'm not holding on to it so tightly. Yes. Even if it is a traumatic situation that I have found that I hold on to them. And pretty soon that's all I talk about day in, day out, day in and day out. If I change my words, my life will change. If I talk about gratitude and light, there will be more gratitude and light. If I talk about darkness and death and dying and deceit and all those other ugly things, I will be experiencing more of those. So what I focus on grows. So what I want to focus on is what I speak about. It's what I write about. So I say, I'll give you five minutes of what's going on with me, but the rest of the 55 minutes is going to be what I'm, I'm grateful for. Yes, yes. I think sometimes we can underestimate the power of our words, even the thoughts, because the thoughts, you know, happen before the words, but taking that captive. And as you said, I hope people heard you when you said, yes, you can acknowledge what's happening in the world around you. You could be dealing with a whole lot of craziness, but if you get stuck there, it can cause you to feel like you're drowning. And so I, I really appreciate what you just shared, Marsha. I would love for you to tell people how they can stay connected with you. Okay. Um, well, I am on Facebook, uh, not that much, but I'm mainly on Instagram under my name, Marsha Shirell. It's Marsha underscore Shirell on Instagram, you know, and I, and I, and I will tell you, you look at my Instagram page. I'll tell you this. I live life. You might see me dancing. You might see me singing. You might just see anything there. But under that is because God has given me those things to enjoy and those things I do enjoy. And then there, there's some scripture there as well. 
So you can come check me out there. Uh, my website is marciasherelle.com. You can just take a look there. My books are listed there as well. They're also on, I have three books that I collaborated on. They are on Amazon as well, along with my latest journal. There's so many great things that you're working on right now. Uh, and so I, I appreciate your ministry and what you're doing. And I guess I do have one final question for you. And, and that is, what final words would you say to someone to let them know the ability for God to heal? You know, I always thought, and I did, I thought that I'm just going to grow up, I'm going to get married and have children, and everything is going to be wonderful. That is not my life story. That I did get married once. It was a very short marriage. I don't have any children. I am single again and have been single for many years and how God has taken my my broken heart. And he said, you kept trying to fill it with all these other things, with drugs, with alcohol, with men, with situations, with clothes, with money. And he said, and I've been waiting for you here this whole time. And I can tell you today that my heart is healed, that my heart is no longer broken. And I can tell you that the thing that I want most in life is to do the will of God and to surrender what he has. And if having a husband is my passion, God knows it. And it's not for me to go out and try to find him, try to create him, try to get in relationship with someone and change him because that will never work. Seek the kingdom of God first. Look to him, help other people pretty soon, whatever your passions are, and to realize that you have the passions that God has given you those desires. And I told God that if you have not given it to me, then please take it away. I am healed from uh, depending on people. I am healed from demanding that people love me the way I feel I want to be loved. It does not work that way. Not at all. I am just, and I, and I see now that love is just being a conduit for God and to do those things. I have a friend, an ex-boyfriend now that it was such a tumultuous uh, relationship for several years. And right now he's suffering from dementia and I'm one of his biggest supporters. And they say, but Marsha, all those years ago that he, and he did, and he did, and I just said, this is what love is, me being a support for him, because he doesn't know. He recognizes my voice, but he does not recognize my face. That's okay, because I just told him, I'm always going to be here for you. This is what love really is. This is what it is. And that shows me that I have forgiven. Now I can say, I know what love is. Yeah, no, that I was just going to say that love is coming from a place of also healing as well. And it's beautiful. And I, I thank God for your testimony. I thank God for your ministry. And I look forward to seeing what God has in store for you next. I, I think that title is so perfect for your next project. But good things to come for you, Marsha. Thank you for being here with us today and blessing us. Thank you for having me. It's such a joy. It's such a joy. And I, I pray that um, if anyone just DMs me on Instagram or wants to have a conversation, I'm just so totally open. Great. I encourage everyone to do so please connect with Marsha. She shared her social media handles and her website. She has a lot of good stuff waiting for you. Thanks again, Marsha, for being on the show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and thank you all for tuning in. I hope that you continue to do so week after week as we work really hard behind the scenes to bring guests on a show who will bless you, who will pour into you so that you can continue to move forward on your healing journey. And if this is your first time tuning in, it should not 
not be the last because we have some great things in store for you. We encourage you to subscribe. Uh, you can do so by visiting faithonthejourney.org. Again, that's faithonthejourney.org. And also you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, YouTube, and our podcast channels. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So we reach you wherever you're at to make sure that we get this message out to the world. So I encourage you again to visit our website to take advantage of all the resources that are available for you. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, please leave a five-star review. Let someone else know, share this message to encourage someone who can really be blessed by the story that was told today. So thank you again for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next time. But until then, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon.